You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include, The Secretary of State is concerned over Russia-North Korea military ties. Israel announces four-hour pauses in its conflict with Hamas. And an update on the New Jersey legislature elections. Here's your national news recap for the week of November 5th. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says he's concerned about the growing military ties between Russia and North Korea. Blinken is meeting in Seoul with South Korean Foreign Minister Park Jin and gave a press conference Thursday at the nation's capital. Blinken said they have real concerns about any support for North Korea's ballistic missile programs, nuclear technology and space launch capacity and that they're working to counter those efforts. Russia and North Korea have denied any arms deals, though during a meeting in September they vowed closer military cooperation. The White House says the president will not tolerate attacks on U.S. forces in the Middle East. This comes after F-15s conducted an airstrike Wednesday on a weapons facility in Syria used by Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps and affiliated groups. White House Principal Deputy Press Secretary Olivia Dalton said it was in response to dozens of attacks on U.S. troops in Syria and Iraq and added the U.S. is prepared to take further action. The Georgia Secretary of State says there was a fentanyl-laced letter sent to the Fulton County Elections Office. Brad Raffensperger called the incident an act of domestic terrorism. He said the letter was intercepted by the post office and there are no injuries so far. Raffensperger said similar letters were sent to election offices in other states. The Washington Secretary of State said envelopes containing unknown powdery substances were discovered by election workers in several counties. All 18 Michigan State Republicans are calling on Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib to resign over her comments in support of Palestinians. The Detroit Democrat this week became just the 26th person to be censured in the history of the U.S. House for her criticism of Israel's war with Hamas. Michigan State Minority Leader Eric Nesbitt says Tlaib knows what she's doing when she uses the phrase, from the river to the sea, which is commonly considered a call for Palestinian freedom. Nesbitt says for Jewish people, it's a call to eradicate the nation of Israel. Tlaib is the only Palestinian-American member of the United States Congress. New York Representative Pat Ryan is one of the 22 House Democrats who voted to censure Tlaib over her comments about the war between Israel and Hamas. Ryan joined most Republicans in the move earlier this week. Republican U.S. Representative Mark Molinaro of Dutchess County also voted to censure Tlaib. Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene wants to impeach the DHS secretary over his handling of the southern border. Greene Thursday introduced a resolution calling for the impeachment of Homeland Chief Alejandro Mayorkas. The resolution accuses Mayorkas of high crimes and misdemeanors related to the surge of migrants and drugs crossing the border. Republicans have long complained about Mayorkas over what they see as a failure to secure the border. The House must vote on the matter within two legislative days. Former President Trump held a rally Wednesday night in Florida. It was held at the Ted Hendricks Stadium at Melander Park, with ex-MMA fighter Jorge Masvidal and comedian Roseanne Barr there and ex-White House press secretary and Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders endorsing Trump. President Biden is expected to meet face-to-face with Chinese President Xi Jinping next week. 
The leaders will reportedly hold talks on the sidelines of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation in San Francisco. Both American and Chinese officials have expressed interest in improving relations between the two countries. Biden and Xi last met nearly a year ago during the G20 summit in Bali. A congressional hearing is focusing on the harassment of Jewish students on college campuses. Republicans are outraged that more is not being done to denounce the hate speech. Texas Republican Congressman Wesley Hunt said college is meant to be a safe space to learn about the world. Instead, he feels it has become a place for political indoctrination. The spike of anti-Semitic attacks has even caught the eye of the White House, which called it alarming. The press secretary has said the administration is closely tracking the threats. The head of Homeland Security is blasting the Republicans' push to build more border wall. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas called it an outdated solution, but his comments ignored the nearly $1 billion in federal funding that have been approved to repair and upgrade the border wall. On top of that, Texans want to spend $1.5 billion on more fencing. New York's attorney general has rested her civil fraud case against former President Trump with testimony by his daughter. A.G. Lietta James claimed that Ivanka Trump benefited personally from grossly inflated numbers for her dad's business. Ivanka testified she wasn't involved in putting financial statements together, but emails revealed her acknowledging them. It also showed her getting advice from her husband, real estate tycoon Jared Kushner, on various projects including financing for the old post office building in Washington, which would become a Trump luxury hotel. Kushner told Ivanka she could get better pricing. She got $4 million when the Trumps sold it last year. Former President Trump's lawyer presented their defense on Monday. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first two international stories today are coming from Reuters. Israel has agreed to pause military operations in parts of North Gaza for four hours a day from Thursday, the White House said, raising hopes of a respite in more than a month of fighting that has killed thousands and stoked fears of regional conflict. The pauses that would allow people to flee along two humanitarian corridors and could be used for the release of hostages were significant first steps, White House National Security spokesperson John Kirby said. But as night approached, there were no immediate reports of a lull in fighting raging among the ruined buildings in the north of the Gaza Strip. There was also no direct confirmation from Israel, which spoke more generally of measures that appeared to correspond to arrangements already in place. Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant said, We are undertaking localized and pinpoint measures to enable the exit of Palestinian civilians from Gaza City southward, so that we do not harm them. These things do not detract from the war fighting. Israeli forces completely encircled Gaza City in recent days, and the military has been allowing civilians safe passage along the main route south for three or four hours each day, with ever-growing numbers of families opting to escape. Gallant told reporters, there would be no full ceasefire for now. He continued, We will not stop fighting as long as our hostages are in Gaza and as long as we have not completed our mission, which is toppling the Hamas regime and eliminating its military and governance capabilities. Tahir al-Nano, a political advisor to Hamas leader Ismail Hanye, said on Thursday that unspecified negotiations were continuing and no deal had been reached with Israel so far. Israel unleashed its assault on Gaza in response to a cross-border Hamas raid on southern Israel on October 7th, 
in which gunmen killed 1,400 people, mostly civilians, and took about 240 hostages, according to Israeli tallies. It was the single worst day of bloodshed in Israel's 75-year history, and drew international condemnation of Hamas and sympathy and support for Israel. But Israel's retaliation in the Hamas-ruled enclave caused great concern as a humanitarian catastrophe unfolded. Palestinian officials said 10,812 Gaza residents had been killed as of Thursday, about 40% of them children, in air and artillery strikes, while basic supplies are running out and areas laid waste by unrelenting Israeli bombardments. U.S. President Joe Biden told reporters he had sought a longer pause than four hours. I've asked for a pause longer than three days, he said as he left the White House. Asked if he was frustrated with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Biden said, it's taken a little longer than I hoped. On to our second international story. The former head of Spain's center-right People's Party in the Catalonia region was shot in the head in the Spanish capital Madrid on Thursday, police said. Alejo Vidal Cuadras was shot in the wealthy Salamanca area of central Madrid at about 1.30 p.m. local time and taken to hospital. Hospital authorities said his life was not in danger. Police were hunting a gunman and an accomplice who drew up near Vidal Cuadras on a black Yamaha motorcycle, shot him, and then drove off. Rescue workers said a bullet passed through Vidal Cuadras' jaw. A torched motorcycle police believe was used in the attack was later found. Police told Reuters that so far, no arrests have been made and no motive had been established for the attack. Vidal Cuadras, 78 years old, was a former head of the center-right People's Party in Catalonia and a founder of Spain's far-right Vox Party. He also served as European Parliament vice president between 2009 and 2014. Spanish politicians, including the PP leader Alberto Nunes Feijú and Vox leader Santiago Abascal, expressed their shock and sadness at the attack, and, with Spain's acting Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez, called for a thorough investigation and swift arrests. Sanchez posted on social media, all my affection at this time, for Alejo Vidal Cuadras and his family. Italy's right-wing Prime Minister Giorgia Maloney said in a statement, Vidal Cuadras was the victim of a, quote, cowardly attack, and wished him a speedy and full recovery, while condemning, quote, an act of unacceptable violence, perpetrated against a political representative of an important European nation. Our third and final international story comes from BBC. Drone footage from Japan has captured a rare moment when a volcanic eruption gives birth to a new island. The unnamed undersea volcano started its latest eruptions on the 21st of October. In early November, the island measured roughly 328 feet in diameter and was as high as 66 feet above the sea, according to Yuji Yusui an analyst from Japan Meteorological Agency's Volcanic Division. He added that the new island, half a mile off the southern coast of the island of Iwo Jima, had already shrunk because its crumbly formation made it vulnerable to erosion. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news. With the conclusion of the 2023 election this past Tuesday, Republicans did not receive as many votes as they hoped as the Democrats continue to control the New Jersey legislature. The Democratic Party continues to hold most of the seats in the state Senate and state assembly. In the hotly contested districts three and four for the state Senate seats, Democrats John Percelli and Paul Moratti beat out Edward Durr and Christopher Del Borello, respectively. From NBC10, Democratic mayor-elect Cheryl Parker, who handedly defeated Republican David Owen this week's mayoral election, has announced her plans for her first days as mayor, and the team will help her transition into Philadelphia's highest office. 
Parker, who will be the city's first female mayor, detailed the transition process and the work she will be doing to prepare for the role, along with unveiling the members of the leadership team that will help her with the effort. The 51-year-old, a former city councilwoman who also served for 10 years as a state representative for Northeast Philadelphia, will take over for fellow Democratic mayor Jim Kenney, who is term limited. Parker said the team she has put together is made up of people who have been with her every step of the way as she secured the Democratic nomination and eventually the election. Parker promised that a selection for police commissioner will be the first personnel announcement she would make before taking office, and she plans to make that announcement by Thanksgiving. Parker is set to take office in January. From Fox 29, authorities were searching a central New Jersey neighborhood Thursday for a suspect in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol building who fled as FBI agents approached his home. The FBI said it and other law enforcement agencies are looking for Gregory Yetman, who is said to, quote, wanted in connection with the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. It was not immediately clear what charges he faces in connection with the attack. The FBI was being joined by law enforcement officers from state, county, and local police. USA Today reported earlier this year that Yetman, whom had identified as former military police sergeant in the New Jersey National Guard, had been interviewed by the FBI about his participation in the riot and that he is suspected of firing pepper spray at protesters and police officers. Yetman told in the newspaper he did nothing wrong at the Capitol and denies pepper spraying anyone. From 6ABC, an elementary school janitor in New Jersey is facing a list of charges, including child endangerment, for allegedly contaminating food and utensils with both bleach and bodily fluids. Authorities are now awaiting test results for Giovanni Impellarezzi, 25, regarding the existence of communicable diseases. Impellarezzi worked as a janitor for the Elizabeth Moore School in the Upper Deerfield School District. There, he allegedly contaminated food products and utensils in the school cafeteria with bodily fluids that prosecutors say include saliva, urine, and feces. He's also accused of performing sexual acts on intimate objects in the school using bleach and bodily fluids to tamper with both utensils and food. Parents are still uneasy after the startling discovery, and some aren't sending their kids to school. They want answers from the district, and they also want to see the suspect's test results. The main concern for many is that the food may have been served to students. Parents are still processing the disturbing accusations made against a school janitor. Since then, they've made doctor's appointments for their kids to make sure they're okay. The district has requested the Cumberland County Department of Health to review their cleaning and sanitation protocols, and have since been assured by the department that it is safe for students and staff to be in their buildings. Parents, however, think officials should have closed the school immediately. In Pelorezzi has a virtual hearing scheduled for Thursday. Parents say their presence will be known at the next school board meeting on November 21st. From ABC7, former New Jersey Governor Jim McGreevy announced that he is running for mayor of New Jersey City after he was forced to resign in a stunning fall from grace two decades ago. The announcement comes nearly two decades after a headline-making sex scandal forced McGreevy out of office. He resigned in 2004 after he came out as gay following an extramarital affair he had with a male staffer. The staffer claimed he was sexually harassed, but McGreevy denied those allegations. Since leaving office in 2004, the 66-year-old Democrat has worked to rehabilitate his image. He focuses time out of the public service on prison reform and reentry programs for formerly incarcerated individuals. McGreevy's family has deep roots in Jersey City and says he is running to make sure the American dream is accessible to everyone who calls the city home. He also served as mayor of Woodbridge, one of the state's largest municipalities, from 2002 to 2004, while simultaneously holding office in the state assembly and senate. The mayoral race does not take place in Jersey City until 2025. McGreevy formally announced his campaign Thursday at Al Sarbor del Cafe in Jersey City. Hudson County Commissioner Bob O'Day is expected to announce he is running later in November. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. I'm Ana Doherty with your Rowan News. Rowan University will host its annual Student Mental Health Conference, a program planned by, run by, and hosted by students on November 14th. The program will be at 10.30 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the i Ballroom of the Chamberlain Student Center. It will feature six student speakers and also a keynote address from Dr. Joanna Murphy, who will speak about the intersection of social justice and mental health. Program organizer Jean Corsione, a graduate coordinator in Rowan's Wellness Center, said speakers will address a range of topics 
topics, including the pressures on first-generation students to succeed at college and mental health challenges felt by students with disabilities. As a first-generation student myself, I understand how first-gen students can feel different pressures than some of their peers, said Corsione. She said the conference that was first held in 2018 initially features student speakers because fellow students can often relate to what they have to say. Corsione said that experience helps listeners feel they're not alone and they're not the only ones who may be experiencing certain challenges, stresses, or emotions. It's an opportunity for listeners to hear that there are other students who may be going through some of the same issues that they are, she said. Right when students are remembering the JFK assassination, 60 years after the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, Rowan University will bring community members together to share memories of the nation's 35th president. As part of the university's celebrating Operation Uganda lecture and event series on Monday, November 13th, people of all backgrounds will have the opportunity to share their memories as they recall both the Kennedy presidency and the president's assassination in Dallas in November of 1963. The discussion will be happening on the third floor of the Campbell Library on Rowan's campus at 6.30 p.m. People will share memories of Kennedy as the president, but also the day of the assassination for a history project that will be preserved in the university's archives. This project is led by Rowan historian Bill Carrigan. We welcome anyone to share their memories. We are particularly interested in hearing from folks who were in South Jersey when President Kennedy was killed. This project seeks the memories of ordinary people of all backgrounds. The event is free and open to the public, but space is limited. To reserve a spot, email Kerrigan at kerrigan at rowan.edu. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Aiden Doherty with your news from around the sports world. Rowan football defeated Kane last Saturday 16-6 on the road. It was an impressive defensive performance as they forced three turnovers. For the offense, James Farrow returned and had 98 yards rushing with a touchdown. And Shane Martin was the leading receiver with 92 yards as Rowan continues to be undefeated on the road with a 4-5 record overall. The Rowan field hockey team won its third straight NJAC championship with a 3-0 win over TCNJ. And then they won their first game of the NCAA tournament on Wednesday at home against against the Hartwick Hawks. Vanessa DiDonato scored a goal and added two assists as well as the field hockey team has now won an NCAA tournament game for five straight years. They will face Tufts today at 2 p.m. in Massachusetts in the second round. The Rowan women's soccer team will open up their first NCAA tournament game against Southern Maine today at 1.30 as they look to bounce back after they lost the NJAC championship to TCNJ. The Rowan women's basketball team started their season off against Scranton last night. Scranton was coming off an undefeated regular season last year and they can Continued that on Wednesday against the Profs in a 66-52 victory. Nicole Mallard for the Profs had 25 points, but it wasn't enough as they fell to 0-1 in the Kate Pearson era. The men's basketball team and interim head coach Eric Brennan will look to defend their NJAC title from a year ago and to advance in the NCAA Division III tournament again this year. Last year, Rowan went 24-6, ending the season in the Sweet 16. That was the farthest the Profs had advanced since their 1996-97 campaign. Our group last year got back to the standard of Rowan men's basketball, making a run in the tournament with a Sweet 16 berth. We hope to get back to the tournament again this year, Coach Brennan said. The Profs were chosen to defend their NJAC title in the annual NJAC 
preseason coaches poll. They will start their season in the Chuck Wrestler Tournament in Rochester, New York this weekend. And now in the professional sports world, the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday 28-23 to take a two-and-a-half game lead in the NFC East. Josh Sweat got the game-saving sack and now has an NFL-high 50 pressures. Jalen Hurts once again had a good day as he had 207 passing yards and 36 rushing yards to go with three total touchdowns. Jalen Hurts was banged up right before the first half ended but stayed in and came away with another win. After the game when asked about it, he said, for this team, for this city, I'll do anything. Another young quarterback in C.J. Stroud broke a rookie record for passing yards as he had 470 passing yards and five touchdowns, including the game winner to his rookie teammate, Tank Dell. With six seconds on the clock as the Texans advanced to 4-4 four and four after beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 39-37. to And now in the NBA world, the Philadelphia 76ers have continued their dominance with three straight wins since the James Harden trade. They defeated the Phoenix Suns, Washington Wizards, and the Boston Celtics all at home, and those three wins brought their record to a strong 6-1. and Joel Embiid had himself a game against the Wizards on Monday night as he had 48 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists in just 30 minutes as he didn't touch the court in the fourth quarter due to the blowout. Tyrese Maxey added 22 points to go along with his 11 assists. Joel Embiid followed up that performance with 27 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, and 4 blocks on 50% shooting from the field as the 76ers beat the Boston Celtics 106 to 103. The 76ers are now the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your sports news. Hi, I'm Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is closing with stocks lower. This comes after the Federal Reserve Chairman, Jerome Powell, said more work may be needed to bring down inflation, which could mean more rate hikes. Powell said the central bank isn't confident it has reached its goal yet. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 220 points to 33 to 891, the S&P 500 dropped by 35 points to 43 to 47, and the Nasdaq fell by 129 points to 13 to 521. Mortgage rates are down in the biggest weekly drop since last year. The 30-year fixed-rate mortgage went down to 7.5% this week, down from a quarter of a percentage point from the week before. That's according to data from Freddie Mac. It's the second straight week rates have gone down after rising for seven weeks in a row. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain says the union won back our dignity in the strikes and tentative contracts earned with the Detroit Three automakers. Fain spoke on Facebook Live to members Wednesday from the Teachers Union Hall in Chicago. He said the strike had doubters, but they fought like they never had in the past and walked away with victories they had never won. President Biden was in Illinois Thursday to meet with auto workers. Back in September, he made history as the first president to walk a picket line, showing his support for striking workers in Michigan. Caesars Entertainment has reached a tentative agreement that will keep hospitality workers from striking at nine of its properties on the Las Vegas Strip. The agreement with the Culinary Union, announced Wednesday, will affect about 10,000 employees. The two sides agreed, in principle, to a five-year deal after a 20-hour negotiating session. Union members will vote on whether to ratify the contract during the next 10 days. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Al Lawton, and this is your entertainment news. New York officials are relieved to see an ending to the historic actor strike against film and television studios. 
Governor Kathy Hochul says New York's film and television industry is critical to the state's economy, creating 65,000 jobs in the past year and $35 billion in economic activity over the past decade. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says 185,000 New Yorkers will now get back to work and the film and TV industry will continue to be at the center of the city's economy again. The SAG-AFTRA union says its members approved a deal that ends the longest actor strike in U.S. history. Taylor Swift has another achievement under her belt. The singer is being named Apple Music's Artist of the Year for 2023. Swift is the number one most streamed artist in Apple Music history. She's also the female artist with the most songs to reach Apple Music's global daily top 100. Swift thanks her fans, saying, quote, From streaming the music nonstop to screaming it together in real-life shows and movie theaters, none of it would have been possible without you. This is the first time Taylor Swift has received this award, which is in its fifth year. The theme for next year's Met Gala is being announced. The theme for the May 6th star-studded event is Sleeping Beauty's Reawakening Fashion, which will highlight historically significant outfits that are too fragile to be worn again. The hosts for the event have yet to be announced. Tracy Chapman has become the first black woman to win an award from the Country Music Association. Her 1988 classic Fast Car was re-recorded this year by country star Luke Combs and hit number one on both the country and adult top 40 charts. At Wednesday night's CMA awards ceremony, Fast Car was named Song of the Year. Chapman couldn't attend the ceremony but said in a pre-written statement that it was truly an honor for her song to be recognized 35 years after its debut. Luke Combs' version of the song won for Single of the Year. Pixar is giving a first look at Inside Out 2. The animation studio released the trailer for the sequel to the 2015 film that won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature. The preview shows joy, sadness, disgust, fear, and anger meeting a new emotion, anxiety. Amy Poehler, Phyllis Smith, Louis Black, and Diane Lane will reprise their roles from the first movie. Inside Out 2 will hit theaters on June 14th. Jared Leto is part Spider-Man today. The actor and singer climbed a portion of the Empire State Building this morning to promote the world tour of his band, 30 Seconds to Mars. Leto, who's an avid climber, said climbing the building was something he can now cross off his bucket list. His 20-minute climb on the east side of the building took him from floors 84 to 104 and landed him almost 1,300 feet up in the air. I'm El Lawton, and that was your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.